welcome to the Successful Farming Podcast. I'm the host, Jason Meeker. On today's show, we're going to have Mike McGinnis, Successful Farming Markets Editor, come and talk to us about land values, cash rents, market trends, what to expect in the coming coming months in the new year, 2017. Uh, are there blue skies on the horizon for agriculture? This will be our last show of 2016. We'll start up again in January 2017. I uh, hope you've been enjoying the program. If this is the first show you're hearing, I'd like to let you know that there are this is show number four. There are three other shows we've done so far, and we'll be doing more in the future. If you go to agriculture.com slash radio, you can see the other shows we've done. See, that's not the right word. Listen to. You can hear the other shows we've done. Show one, we had Ray Bohax, the successful farming engine man. He talked about engine maintenance and and kind of how he got into the into the business. Show two was uh, retired successful farming business editor Dan Looker. We talked a little bit about the new uh, the future of the new farm bill coming up in 2017 among other things. Show three was Dan, uh, Dan was show two. Show three was Dave Mowitz, successful, successful farming machinery editor and host of the successful farming television show on RFD TV. And today is show four and we've got Mike McGinnis, like I said. If you uh, have any comments about the show or feedback, want to get a hold of us, you can email the show by sending an email to podcast at agriculture.com. We'll be right back uh, with Mike McGinnis. Today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. As promised for the Successful Farming Podcast today, we've got Mike McGinnis, a.k.a. Market Eye, in the uh, in the agriculture.com forums. Um, welcome to the show, Mike. Yep. Thank you, Jason. Glad to be here. Yeah. So we recorded one of these about 11 months ago, I think, and then yeah. <laughs> never it never saw the light of day. So, Disappeared. Um, so thanks for... Uh, Thanks for trying again. You bet. You bet. <laughs> well, always glad to come in and speak with you. All right. So first thing I want to do is kind of talk about your path to where we are today. How did you get to successful farming? What did you what, what did you study to get here? What jobs did you have before you got before you got here? So, well, it was a, a storied career in uh, radio broadcasting for about 15 years and uh, some of those stations involved uh, well all the stations were farm stations so I was able with my ag background able to help out the farm department but you know I was mainly a sports director or a news director uh, in those uh, radio stations but I always enjoyed helping out the farm guys so to speak, um, when I had, when I could, especially when I worked at the um, at WHO radio, and I was 
covering the state the state house the the uh, bills that had agricultural influence i always kept an eye on them so we could talk about those on our ag show and and Mm -hmm. give the farm guys a heads up on what the lawmakers were thinking about okay Uh, so that was always interesting probably something that not a lot of news editors would do because they didn't really care (laughs) or didn't understand agriculture so to speak but uh, that was always something so anyway moved from radio into um, electronic print slash uh, uh, electronic journalism by working at DTN okay data transmission network and uh, from there ended up here at successful farming uh, really is one of the first hires uh, of an editor to do both um, multi-faceted uh, reporting. In other words, online plus in the magazine. And right. Before then, it was if you were hired here, it was mainly for the magazine. You were writing for the magazine, and yeah. and the web stuff was didn't didn't hadn't really taken off yeah, yet so it was it off. was in the early days of uh yeah of the internet so so that was an interesting time because uh because i had a tv radio background i was able to step in it was really the print that i didn't have a lot of experience right. in and i had to learn that from you know some of the best ag editors you know at the time working here at successful farming so uh it was it was a great time to meld everything that was happening in ag media altogether great so you've been here about 11 years yeah, 10 and a half 10, 10 and a half okay. years i think or, i know you had your 10 year anniversary right before i had right yep. before i had mine yep. so just a, a few months a few months older than me and in, in your <laughs> in your sf experience but uh so what, what what are some of the biggest changes in the in the uh media side of it in the last 10 years that you've that you've experienced well i think for the magazine side the way you know they put together a story they still could put together a fairly um relevant recent news story and get away with it in the olden days before the internet Mm -hmm. and and have time to put it in a magazine that they uh, had planned months ahead of time uh, because information still wasn't traveling that fast but but now uh it's really hard to write a current news item for the magazine and not have it be really outdated uh, by the time the magazine comes out so that was interesting i think that uh for me i think that the print people had more to learn than i did coming from the broadcast side because uh you know they were trying to learn how do we how do you write you know instantaneous news items and and get them out there fast mm-hmm. enough and uh, you know what what was that all about and so right. I think that's I was able maybe to help out there I, I don't know but uh, for me it was it was a luxury to be able to have months ahead of time to plan something to before it really was you know uh, published. Right. How about on the uh, agriculture, the production side of things, the last 10 and a half, 11 years, what's what's one of the most surprising or biggest changes you've seen? I think bigger, faster. Those two words seem to, to pop out with uh, the equipment just being unbelievably huge. Uh, farmers able to uh, plant and harvest in, in just a few days. 
versus uh, the weeks and possibly a month or so that it used to take them. And that has affected uh, the way people think in the uh, grain marketing world, too, mm-hmm. because the market doesn't like uncertainty but now even if the i mean the farmers only need just a really uh, a week or uh, 10 days or 12 days to get all the crop in and right. they get heavy rains before and heavy rains after uh, but if they have a window there of opportunity with because this equipment is so big and can go so fast uh, that element is being taken out of the market a little bit yeah it's really shrunk the the impact that weather can have on on both planting season and and harvest and and as far as uh once the crop is in the genetic side of the thing has really changed too because in fact people have posted this before on the internet a picture of uh of a corn plant coming out of a gutter Mm. street gutter and you know there's an old joke that you know someday we're going to be able to plant corn in the parking lot well uh, because of the genetics, I mean, you got some of this corn and, and, and some of these soybean traits that can really survive uh, heavy, heavy amounts of heat and uh, mm-hmm. longer periods of no rain. Yeah, it's it's amazing. All right, so um, I was leafing through the December issue, December 2016 issue of uh, Successful Farming, and and. Uh, was looking at your uh, successful marketing column, and uh, it t- it t- it's talking about educating yourself, how farmers should educate themselves. So why is it that education is one of the best investments a farmer can make? Well, as far as grain marketing goes, education is, is really huge because if you know, it's like the old saying, if you know where we've been, uh, you may know where we're going. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's similar to grain marketing because of the seasonal patterns that are out there. In fact, uh, Al Kleiss of Kleiss Commodities that you'll see in this article that you're quoting here, mm-hmm. referencing, um, has just put out some information about the last 40 years in the last 40 years uh there have only been eight years that the seasonal patterns didn't work so it's a really good idea to be selling some crop while you're planting okay through april through june it's a really good time because uh history shows that there have only been just a handful of years that that marketing plan did not work and so uh this is the type of information that you can get through educating yourself with uh, price patterns over the years, uh, the the trends and the habits of uh, traders and funds of when when they're getting in and out of the market, these things uh, fluctuate the market more than what people think, mm-hmm. and it takes you beyond the old. Uh, idea of just well if it's raining you know while the crop's in then that's going to make the market bearish uh, or if it's too hot then that make them that makes the market bullish so uh you know for for a lot of years a lot of people's dads and grandpas and grandmas uh, traded the market by what their local weather was uh it's not necessarily the truth anymore right and so a lot of other things come into play so educating yourself uh, is what the real savvy grain marketers are doing okay so what's different about the successful marketing newsletter from other similar publications that 
uh, the guys need it, to know? Yeah, that's a great question, and the the answer comes down to uh, we have more uh, technical analysis in the successful marketing newsletter than our competitors. Um, less daily news clips. Okay. We feel like. Uh, because of what we just talked about a little bit ago, mm-hmm. you know, the internet and um, how news moves so fast anymore that people can get that type of stuff anywhere. We wanted to focus more on drilling down as to why the seasonal price patterns are so important and showing technical uh, chart patterns of prices and this gives us more time so uh, for instance our competitors might have eight pages of the newsletter four of the pages um, would be just strictly small news clips news announcements from the past week uh, and the other four would actually be some technical analysis and we've devoted all eight pages of our newsletter to technical analysis okay so how do how do guys subscribe to the to the newsletter if they're interested uh, if they're interested, they can go to uh, agriculture or successful uh, com forward slash deal. And I'll repeat that it's successful com forward slash deal. You can sign up uh, right there. Uh, there's also an 800 number. And we can put we can put that in the we, in, uh, in the show notes. So okay, we'll put that so in the show if, notes. Very if good. you can't find it, I'll I'll uh, I'll make sure it's yeah. in the. But there's also a the phone notes. number that they can call okay. if they don't want to go on the uh, internet to sign up. But it, but obviously it's it's easier uh, to do online. But uh, it's easy on the phone too. And it's uh, basically a one year subscription will get you um, the monthly. Uh, newsletter that comes physically to your house. Mm-hmm. Um, there's an electronic newsletter each week that comes through to your email, and then there are, are four webinars that are lined up with the quarterly uh, USDA reports. Okay, the, the quarterly grain reports, and those are put on by Al. Yep, Al Kleist puts those on, and through your electronic uh, newsletter, you get the password okay. to get into the webinar. Cool. So, very good. All right. Um, also, in the December issue, um, Brent Gloy and David Widmer from where they, they're from Purdue. They, uh, they yeah, they Purdue. are. They do okay. uh, are affiliated with the with Purdue University. Okay. They have nine point three tips, which I thought was inter- an interesting number. Nine point three, not not ten, not nine, but nine point three tips for um, getting prepared for round four of the great margin squeeze. And I'd just have maybe have you touch on a couple of those or or maybe walk through them a little bit. Mm-hmm. What what do, what do they mean by the great margin squeeze? I mean... Well, these two guys, uh, Brent and uh, David, they formed a, a website, uh, ageconomist.com. Okay. And so each week they write... A new article, and we we post their article on agriculture.com. But these are two ag economists, obviously, uh, that have great experience. One of them is actually uh, is an actual farmer from uh, Northeast Nebraska, so they have uh, experience, you know, on the farm. But as we take a look at the tips, they're basically saying here that farmers need to get ready for another year of challenging prices and possibly uh, at production or below production uh, costs. So they are giving some tips on what you can do 
before we head into 2017 and before you make your acreage decisions and mm-hmm. input decisions, you know, establishing uh, profitability and cash flow goals is their first step. Okay. Uh, that seems kind of obvious for a lot of people. Even if you're trying to lose weight, you try to set some goals and try to reach those goals. Uh, really what they're trying to say here is make a plan, mm-hmm. and that's the most successful way uh, for you to g- gain uh profitability in 2017 Uh, determine what has to do well Uh, again the farmers are being asked by bankers by their you know by their lenders by their economists and anybody that really cares about their financial well-being if there's something out there uh, on your operation or it's included or tied to your operation that is not necessarily uh, needed, or maybe you're you're paying you know too much for something. You really need to drill down and figure out what those are, because it's time now to to shed those. I've heard of uh, some things as easily as you know if you have a an RV, uh, if your farm operation somehow has purchased an RV or a boat, or you know uh, you go on some fishing trips or whatever, those maybe need to be looked at. Uh, going forward um, all the way to paying too much uh, rent for some farmland that you'd like to farm just because it's close by if it's too expensive a lot of farmers have a hard time you know saying no to it because it's close to their farm but it's uh, time to take a look at those those prices as well and he and he also gets into or these guys these economists also get into uh, identifying and revisiting the best uses of your management time and resources and uh, it's this it's back to this idea of uh, for some farms you know you might spend you might not spend time scouting fields but scouting fields can possibly save you money instead of just driving by with the pickup you can actually get out in your field and actually and get down in the dirt and yes (laughs) and do it early because uh, if you can stop the spread of a uh, disease or an insect uh, insect pressure then uh, could save you money long term a few of the other ones Jason, uh, look for opportunities to free up some capital. Again, uh, as we mentioned, there may may be some farm equipment uh, that you can either you know sell and then lease back uh, a piece at a cheaper rate. Right now, because uh, f- because the farm equipment values are lower, you can lease at a lower rate mm-hmm. so you can save some money there if that works in your operation yeah we um last week um, dave moats was sitting in that chair and yeah he was talking <laughs> a lot about the uh about leasing and even leasing used equipment yeah um as a as a viable option to uh to try to try to minimize your expenses another thing that comes to mind is uh putting in irrigation again the same idea that you know before you do it make sure you know you run the numbers and make sure it's gonna it's gonna pay for you and and not only can you can you afford to do it but also is it gonna make you money instead of just seeing the neighbor do it and thinking you know i have a field that i probably should do that on and then doing it without uh really thinking about it uh the final one is 
uh, focusing on generating cash flow. So make sure your cash flows are adequate. Uh, three key areas to examine, of course, the uh, net cash flow area and also uh, look closely at cash rents. And we talked about that a minute ago, but mm-hmm. um, cash rents are coming down. So that's becoming less of the conversation. But uh, and uh, landowners are also willing to help farmers now because they know that this is the could be the fourth year of a margin squeeze yeah um talking about uh cash rent and land values in general um further back in the uh, in the december issue and also kind of touched on in an upcoming article in the january 2017 issue called blue sky in agriculture um land prices are uh, looking to be declining to continue to decline for 2017 i think so overall uh what you're going to hear uh will be certain areas of the midwest are still having pretty good um price sales and uh, land sales i mean mm-hmm. and one of the reasons you'll you'll see land sales stay up is because the better ground is still selling at a pretty good price right it's as you scale down with soil with uh, um, uh, the, the the levels of um, w- whether it's flat ground or if it has some hills to it or you know some defects to it as the as the level of ground comes down that's where you're going to see some of these prices come start to fall but for the really good ground i don't know i think it's going to probably stay up here uh, tony drivis did a, a story for us that you you're referencing yeah. here in this issue and uh, he notes that iowa farmland values fell almost nine percent uh, an acre in 2014 that was after the uh, peak of 2013 mm-hmm. and then we've seen a gradual uh, decline in iowa now one of the things that people don't realize uh, or don't think about enough is you'll see some bigger in, uh, bigger decreases of value in Iowa than you will in other states. For instance, uh, the forecast for um, Kansas, 7.4% drop, and Nebraska and Illinois, 1.3%. But Illinois and Nebraska haven't had the, the sharp drop over the years that Iowa has had. Mm-hmm. The reason is because the uh, corporate farming law in Iowa. Okay. So the outside investors can't come in and buy land. The, the price is not going to be affected as much or, you know, it won't be held up. Okay. So if they can't come in and prop up the prices mm-hmm. in Iowa, then, then that's why we'll see them fall. So supply and demand kind of thing. The demand yep. will be depressed yep. artificially. So okay. Exactly. And so uh, maybe Iowa has seen its uh, you know hardest times here as far as land values. But uh, as land values come down, cash rents will also come down. And that's the, that's the part of the, the story that we're talking about here. The other part of the story, and one of the main parts of the story, is the fact that farmers are still buying and uh, edging out the outside investors. Maybe not edging out is uh, the right way to say it, but the outside investors are trying to find other areas to put their money. Long term, 
uh, farmland will gain you more money than in the stock market. Okay. Long term, so it, it outperforms equities and the stock market. However, uh, some in outside investors want to see their profits a little sooner right. than long term, and so they're looking for other vehicles to make their money. And so that's why you might not see them at some of the farm sales uh, that that we did, you know, ten, five and ten years ago. I see. Okay, hold on just a second. I got to. I want to read this. Um, Today's program is brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. All right, now got that out of the way. Um, so uh, turning to uh, the ne- next month, um, Tony... Dribus, who you kind of talked about his article in, in the December issue, he's also part of the feature that you worked on for the January issue, along with Gil Gullickson and Dave Moitz, talking about some of the some of the blue skies that might be on the horizon for agriculture. Yeah, you know, we really wanted to focus on some good news for farmers, and this is going to be in the January issue. We felt like when they sat back in their lounging chair, uh, you know, when there might be snow out and outside, and there's not much to do other than finally read up on some of your (laughs) successful farming magazines, that we could give them something positive to read about. And, uh, you know... It's not all negative in agriculture. Mm-hmm. A lot of it is, and we just talked about a forecast with those economists that think that we're going to stay maybe at, um, at cost of production or below here this next year. But we do see some blue sky in agriculture, and if you're going to stay in the industry anyway, why not uh, spend some of your effort and trying to remain positive yeah and makes makes perfect sense so therefore uh thus the the title of, of the article but tony drivis did find as we mentioned a moment ago from some experts uh that lower cash rents will continue in mm-hmm. 2017 because the uh if the, the land values will fall as well and as i mentioned more landowners are starting to see that they have to have some more uh skin in the game here with these lower commodity prices because if they want to keep their nice farmer farmer uh uh, farmer that they currently are leasing their ground to they gotta you know do some work help him and do some work with him Uh, there are some things that you can do besides just lowering your cash rents Uh, but cash rents should continue to fall um, in 2017 according to uh, some of the experts that tony was able to speak to Uh, an interesting item in that um in that article was uh kind of talking about things going against conventional wisdom how younger farmers or or beginning farmers might be able to because land values are lower now might be able to invest in expanding or getting into some um uh getting into farming um but uh Talk about that a little bit. I will. You know, that's been going on here for a while. Younger farmers have been 
on the on-ramp mm-hmm. of uh, farming here for the last couple of years, and it's been a really tough ramp. Yeah. Um, so this is a this is a bit of a blue sky for lower uh, or um, the younger farmers because if the uh, cash rents continue to fall and land values also, but if cash rents uh, continue to fall, this gives them a possible. Uh, chance or an uh, opening gate so to speak to get into an 80 acres that normally they wouldn't have had a chance to bid on mm-hmm. and in fact if i've heard of young farmers uh, i talked to a young farmer a couple of years ago and he said well you know i'm, I'm looking for some more acres the landowner came to me he said i want to give you as a young farmer an opportunity you know to grow a little bit but the rate was so out of sight right he couldn't touch it yeah he had to pass it pass it on uh, pass it. and and so now with these lower cash rents maybe this does give uh a young guy a chance to be able to go to his lender and say hey listen i have a chance at you know some lower cash rent ground you know and get an opportunity to get some financial backing for that so that's important to okay. note yeah that's that i thought that was inter- an interesting point that tony made the other interesting point in this article um we don't expand on it we're going to expand on it in uh, future uh issues but okay. uh i just hit upon this that uh there is an economist out of purdue university that says actually now is the time to look for opportunities in mm-hmm. agriculture and uh, just in a nutshell, what he's talking about is, um, unfortunately, if you have neighbors that are going out of business for whether it's death or whether it's financial, you know, struggles mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, keep your eyes and ears open uh, to be able to at least put a word in to to the neighbors or to whomever is going to end up with that ground that you'd like the opportunity to either rent it or buy it. Right. Uh, the other angle to this now is the time to look for opportunities is we're starting to see more uh, pork uh, packing plants being built. Okay. Um, some new ones coming on coming on the line here in the next three years. And uh, a few of them are out in the eastern Corn Belt. And what uh, one of the what are the economists at Purdue is saying is, you know, for farmers that are uh, living around these packing plants, this is another buyer for them. So they should be right. going to them even before the plant is built, going to these uh, companies and saying, listen, I'd like to have an opportunity to, to sell to you, to sign a contract right now. And uh, so, again, these there are opportunities out there. And the, the message is, you know, don't just be, you know, sulking in these lower right. commodity prices you ought to stay awake and there are opportunities you could possibly take advantage of that's great so in that we have the introduction on why people need to stay positive mm-hmm. um <laughs> and then what we talked about with what uh, tony Drybus, uh has on land values and, and cash rents um and then also Dave Moitz, and like I said last week, he was in here kind of talking about some of the things he touches on in this in in this article. And then Gil Gullickson, our, our mm-hmm. crops technology editor, who hopefully I'll get in here, hopefully in January, come in and talk about his part of this article too. We're talking about input costs and seeds and mm-hmm. and chemicals and and uh, what kind of opportunities there might be in that in that side of the business. Yeah, they have two areas that they cover 
that include some blue sky and agriculture mm-hmm. and you know will input costs go down as much as farmers uh want them to probably not but the idea is is uh to get the the markets you know leaning toward your your way and we're st- you know maybe seeing the seed prices and the uh, fuel the uh fertilizer prices not falling sharply but not rising sharply right. either so maybe there's a slowdown there and maybe we go flat with these prices which would which would still be helpful for farmers mm-hmm. and uh you throw that in with the lower cash rent prices you know that's helpful and then all of a sudden now we're starting to see the uh, dairy farmers you know uh get into profitability levels a little bit uh you know maybe not all of them at all but right. i mean uh, it's it's just slowly you know we we start to see uh some signs of profitability the soybean market is actually turning towards uh profitability levels uh because of just huge demand and and uh, we'll see now if we have that acreage shift that we talked about to start the the podcast but mm-hmm. uh the, the soybean market again providing an opportunity for farmers uh right now yeah yeah any any little bit to kind of get a little breathing room in those margins yep it's going to be it's going to be a little bit uh, help a little bit to to hold out as long as you can until until those prices come back up so one thing we had i mentioned we had recorded an episode and then it quickly became outdated before we were able to put it anywhere anybody could see it but um one thing we had talked about last year at this time was the black swan event Mm -hmm. did we have a black swan event this year is that or is that something that we're still hoping for for next year to maybe Uh, turn these we really haven't had one yeah Um, i guess if you wanted to to reach to try to create a black swan it would be that china uh feels like you know the new trump administration mm-hmm. you know if you want to call the you know the uh the donald trump victory a black swan for the grain markets you know it's a stretch right now but yeah it, it could become some sort of a black swan event because no one's no one saw that coming mm-hmm. and which is what a black swan event really is and now there's talk in the industry and i might add by some some pretty interesting uh uh, respectable people that are wondering if China is buying all these soybeans right now in fear that when Donald Trump gets into the White House, he's going to put some sort of an embargo on China. Well, that they've already purchased all these soybeans, so they might be set by the time he gets in there, right. January 15th or whatever that date is, inauguration date. And so... You know, I don't know if that's the black swan that we're that we're gonna we're gonna be talking about here in a year, but uh, if you want to get back to what uh, regular black swan events might be con- considered, that would be uh, again a weather a crop weather mm-hmm. problem here in the U.S. this spring, or even before then, if we see a crop weather problem over the winter for South America in Brazil. Yeah, they've had really good. Uh, planting weather and so far good growing weather. Argentina's struggling maybe just a little bit, but for the most part, they're doing well. So, um, the uh, the other black swan event that that could happen is the outside investors just don't believe the Trump administration's um, growth. 
uh, uh, I don't know if it's rhetoric or not, but he's supposed, supposedly, according to the financial experts, going to be the growth president. And so if, if that doesn't work out, then maybe the outside money comes flowing back into ag, which... Again, it's artificial mm-hmm. support, but but it's could prop it up. <laughs> yeah, it's still in investing investments. Um, you you touched on South America a little bit. How's their transportation situation? I know they were having some strikes a few months ago and ha- had some infrastructure issues. Mm-hmm. That's not really a black swan event. Oh, I guess maybe a a large scale transportation worker strike could be yeah. one. Maybe I don't know. It, it could be. Uh, sometimes that really is the only thing that comes out of nowhere and does spark a rally Mm -hmm. Uh, you also wonder if they have that they've done it so much that they they have that down they know when to strike right those workers know when to strike and (laughs) when when it's going to benefit them the most when they have the most leverage yeah so i haven't heard much talk of that right now their um their infrastructure problems were really highlighted when they're record crop came on okay. a year or two ago because they it was like you know really trying to push a deer through a snake mm-hmm. you know or a uh, elephant through a snake and that's what they try to do every year when they have these large crops so every year when they raise huge amounts of soybeans mm-hmm. following that up with a more uh, more and more corn um, they're trying to shove all of that out of the uh, ports at a faster faster rate um, but the fact is they have the strike problems of the ports every mm-hmm. year and then also some weather problems that create you know uh, the trucker strike as well and they just can't get everything to work together right uh, and part of that is because the government, you know, doesn't have enough control mm-hmm. uh, to be able to keep the tr- the strikers off the roads and and off the ports. Right. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Right now, um, China seems to want to buy from us from the United States. They'll switch their purchases to South America in the next couple of months, and. Um, if South America can't deliver, then they'll come back they'll come and try back to buy up. from us again. Uh, but I think the infrastructure in Brazil is getting better. Okay. Because the ag sector in Brazil is one of their leading sectors of their economy, so they're really starting to support it more. Okay. Uh, maybe starting to figure this out. This, the new president, especially, is trying to figure this out. And and what a lot of people don't know is the one of the main uh, the Secretary of Agriculture, what we would call the Secretary of Agriculture here, is uh, now one, in charge down in Brazil. The guy in charge, Blario Maggi, mm-hmm. was once one of the largest soybean farmers in Brazil. So the farmers really have a lot of support at a very high level now when they didn't in the previous administration. Interesting. That's, uh, that, yeah, that's interesting. Okay, well, anything else to add? I would just uh, I would just add that uh, you know hopefully we can as many farmers as possible can hang in there uh, yeah. this this next year. We, we're hearing uh, forecasts of maybe increase uh, or a return to profitability for not just uh, grain farmers but for cattle and hogs 
hog producers as well next year so so the blue skies are you bet. on the horizon They're turning bluer it's bluer yes <laughs> all right thanks again mike yep, and uh, we'll have you back again and we'll we'll talk more soon thank you thanks That was uh, Mike McGinnis. Uh, thanks for listening to show number four. I hope you enjoyed it. Mike always has some great insights on what's what's going on on the marketing side of things as well as land values. And uh, you can join our discussion groups on agriculture.com and look for Mike's comments. He covers the the market open and midday and market close on agriculture.com. His title on there is Market Eye, like I said earlier in the interview. So you can see his comments and insight. I'd like to remind you to get in contact with us. You can visit the show's website at agriculture.com slash radio. That's where you'll find more information from today's show as well as previous shows. You can also get in touch with us by emailing podcast at agriculture.com. Let us know what you think of the show. If we uh, said something you don't agree with, let us know. If you have comments about what you'd like to hear on the show, who you'd like to hear from, uh, let me know and I will try to make it happen. Again, that's podcast at agriculture.com is the email address and then the website is www.agriculture.com slash radio. Today's show has been brought to you by Acuron Herbicide from Syngenta. To learn more, visit acuron-herbicide.com. While you're there, hear firsthand accounts of how Acuron stopped tough, resistant weeds in their their tracks and made sure they never came back in the Acuron Chronicles podcast series. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.